Today on Locked On Canadians, Matthias Norlinder joining the Laval Rocket. What is he going to bring to their playoff run? Plus, what are our three ups and our three downs for this entire season? All that's coming up on Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to episode 607 of Locked On Canadians. Uh, we have started our off-season coverage. We're going to do some reviews. We're going to do some previews. There's all a bunch of fun stuff coming up. And to do that, let me introduce your host. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick. And I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matlove, Habs Eyes on the Prize. And it is Laval Rocket season, is it not? It, it very much is. It's uh, the playoffs start Friday the 6th. They are in Syracuse for two games before returning to Plasfell to play. Uh, and they're not coming empty-handed. Uh, they obviously lost Justin Barron, who was supposed to join the team due to an ankle injury. Uh, Corey Schooneman was uh, sent down prior to that. He was already papered down to the AHL earlier in the year at the trade deadline. But they're getting reinforcements, and it's actually... It kind of took me by surprise, despite making perfect sense. Matthias Norlinder will be joining the Lavelle Rocket. He's expected to be at 10.30 a.m. practice tomorrow. And I got to say, the defense has been very good lately, but Louis Belpedio left the last game of the year injured. He went to the hospital afterwards, and we haven't gotten an update past that. It's a really nice addition, and a guy who can run the power play, generate some offense, and had a really strong playoff for Frolunda. So it's a uh, it's a good day for the Rocket, especially for Jean-Francois Houle right now. Absolutely. And there's a couple of things I think here is that, one, it makes them more exciting to watch for those of us who are just getting into the Rocket now that the Habs are out or who have just been getting into them this season. Um, as always, you know, Scott covers the Rocket for Habs Eyes on the Prize. And this year, I've really been getting excited. It's not it's not just this year. It's 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 the last few years. Once they've given us something to cheer for and be excited about. Because I'd been to games before where they were really bad in the previous regime. Um, and, and the fact that they're an exciting team now, I think, you know, this is a great time to get into them. They're like, we're hoping for a long playoff run just so that people can get to know the Habs of the future, as the Canadians uh, put it. I, I just like that, you know, there's there's tons of exciting players on this team now that, um, you know, will at least give us a good thing to watch, whether or not they go far or not. And obviously, we will be doing recaps and things like that. We'll be talking about the Laval Rocket. But one other thing that I want to say is that a lot of people were talking about how this is the first step to a reconciliation between Norlinder and the organization. There wasn't like beef or anything like that, but the way that he left was less than desired, right? It, he felt jerked around um, and then he felt like he wasn't given the proper opportunity and they sent him down. You know, he was one of those players that's like, it's too good to live for Laval, not enough for Montreal or couldn't crack the Montreal lineup. Um, and it feels like, you know, at that time, he, he wasn't, treated in the best of ways i would say so his time in the nhl boils down to dominique ducharme is an idiot and i don't feel mean saying that at this point because 
you were in a game where you had a five on three with an ability to tie the game and get back into it. And you have a power play specialist, a young power play specialist, someone who thrives with open ice to skate and you stapled him to the bench and he played like eight minutes in that game. And then you had three on three overtime and you threw out Ben Sherratt and Jeff Petrie and Chris Weidman. And you did not trust this young player. And then there was a three game stint uh, in the AHL after he got re-injured during that NHL time frame with the Canadians basically saying, Hey, maybe you can stay here. And after being told, no, you can play a couple of games and then go back to Sweden. And there was a lot of miscommunication and a lot of things not on the same page and what feels like broken promises. And the new regime, like you said, seems to kind of be getting it back to where it needs to be in that. I don't blame Matthias Norlinder for being a little bit, maybe, I don't want to say apprehensive, but I think discouraged? that's... I, I, I don't know if it's discouraged, just being wary of, you know, what's promised based on what's happened before here. And I look at it this way is that it's a good chance for him. The Rocket are in a better place than when he was there before. They were already very good, but now the team has kind of gelled around him and it gives him a high-intensity hockey atmosphere in North America. Not that he wasn't playing in that in the SHL in the playoffs or for Lunda, but North American hockey is such a different style in the way that it's played from European hockey that it's an adjustment. And some players take a little bit of time with that. And I think this is very good for him. And it allows Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon, who I'm sure will be at Plus Bell for these games and watching, uh, however that may be when they're in Syracuse, to see the steps and the progress that he's made after sending him back. It's like, was this actually a, a, the right idea? Should we have left him here and that? And it's a good opportunity. It's And that's what a lot of these playoffs are. It's an opportunity to showcase that you are part of this team in the near future. Joel Teasdale had a really strong April. Yessi Alone and Rafael Harvey Pinard. These are all guys who want to push for NHL spots next season. And a strong playoff is going to go a long way towards helping that. And we talked a lot about uh, the the end of season press conferences that the Canadians held on Saturday. And one of the things that Kent Hughes pointed out or said was that they would like the opportunity to play the young guys, right? Like he mentioned that a lot. So I feel like this is the kind of the thing where it's like you come over and you show what you can do. And next year, you're expect like we're expecting you to fight for a lineup spot out of camp. And I think that that's true of many players like you mentioned. So it's a good thing for the player and it's an opportunity for the Canadians to improve their communication with him. Because I think that that, out of all things, the communication was probably something that could have prevented a lot of that wariness and a lot of that. Yeah, I would be discouraged if I was in his position. And to his credit, like he's not somebody that showed up and, and had expectations. I think it's very reasonable when you're brought up to the NHL level to be given an opportunity to do what you do best, which is power play specialist, offensive, um, you know, offensive, uh, what do you call it? Anchor on the, on the, on the power play. Like that was an opportunity that wasn't given to him. So then what is the point of playing him for eight minutes a game? Right? Like I completely understand that that is something that could hinder your development, but he hasn't really complained. I feel like he feels like a bit, a bit of distrust, but you know, it's, it's not one of those situations where he was entitled in any way or anything like that. So, I think that this is such a good opportunity, just not just for him, but for the organization as well. Because I'd be really excited to see him and 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 um, Ilona in in the, in the lineup next year. Like I really would. It would be really fun and dynamic. And, and I look at Norlinder here. For a lot of people who are disappointed with his regular season and his showing in the uh, in North America this year, 
he had six points in nine playoff games for Forlunda, where he's not playing a major role, but he's still contributing. And I think that's a good ground to build off of here. And I'm curious to see where he slots in the lineup because I think he has the ability to be a top four defenseman right away. But I wouldn't be shocked if they're like, hey, we're going to play him on the third pair to start, give him power play time, and let him take those matchups, get his himself accustomed to this team and the strategy, and then go from there. So I am asking everyone when the lineups come out and whoever it is, take a moment, have a deep breath and understand there's a reasoning for that. The rocket are here because they have a good coach, not out of pure luck or anything like that. He knows how to get his lineup in order, especially with the veterans that are there now. And I think insulating Matthias Norlinder is going to be by far the best option for them going into the series against the crunch. Absolutely. And we'll obviously be covering that throughout their playoff run. Uh, But in the meantime, we do want to do our three up and three down for the entire season. And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, I want to tell you about something that I use. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to take care of my health. So it supports better sleep quality and recovery, and it supports mental clarity and alertness. As you know, I have two jobs. This is something that I really, really need. And I also don't get enough sleep. And this has really been helping me a lot. It's the one thing with all of the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All of the things. And I really care about aging right now. So it's been really, really important for me. And it's time for you to also reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy... Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Scott, I just want to, before we get into our three down, shout out a listener who sent us an email, Lucas, which uh, we loved because he shared his experience. He was also at the game where we had the standing ovation for Gila Fleur, and he sent us an email about it with some photos and some videos, and um, it was really, really nice uh, of him to share that because, much like me, he had a situation where the tickets were bought in advance. I don't think that, that he and his dad realized that it was going to be the Gila Fleur game, and they had a really good time, and it, it made it, it made a great memory for him and his dad. And I also want to shout out, it, it felt really nice to know that <laughs> you ran into me in the street, heard my voice, recognized my voice, which like, it's such an honor to like, to like know that people listen to us enough that they could recognize our voice in the street. But also, I really, really appreciate that you did not intrude on my time with my friend and it was such a respectful interaction or non-interaction as it were and I want to say that I really appreciate the email I'm glad that you were at that game as well because it was amazing 
And like, I, I cannot ever forget that, that, you know, that, that, that standing ovation that we gave and we couldn't stop. It was, you know, and it was really great that a listener was there as well. And I love when people share their experiences like that. So please email us when you have experiences like that, email us. We love hearing about it. Send us your pictures on Twitter or, or by email, lockedonkiddies at gmail.com. Like it's so great. And again, super respectful. Love that. Love that. It's amazing. This is like, we really, really appreciate our listeners. Like you are so awesome. All right. Less awesome. We're going to do the three down for the year. And I think I know the first thing that Scott's going to say. Is it Mike Hoffman? No, I thought you were going to say Dominique Ducharme. He doesn't work here anymore. I don't give a crap about that guy. He doesn't work here anymore. So like, He's right. gone. He can't gone. he can't harm me and my hockey watching anymore. He would be on here if he were still the coach, but he's long gone. And at this point, I know it's I made in the fun past. Of, it's in the past. Just I'm gonna let I'm gonna let that go. Um I do have Mike Hoffman on here. He had a very good end to the season. I will give him that. That last couple games stretch, he played well and the effort was there. It's just for a guy brought in for four and a half million dollars. He was a no-show for a good chunk of the season. And part of that is the team sucked and there was no direction and there was no structure. And it was just flailing bullcrap every night. And you have a guy who can't play defense playing heavy minutes on a team because everyone else was injured or out with COVID. So it sucked. It's not all his fault. But when you're brought in to score goals and you hit a career low in goals as a professional or an NHL player, it's not great, and I, I I feel bad because he ended the season strong, and you can see that there is some effort and that he wants to, you know, be better, and I think he knows that. It's just it did not work out this year. I hope it's better next year, but, like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I honestly, I, I do agree with you. Like, he, the thing is, he stuck out. He was the odd one out. When everyone was bad, Everyone was just bad, right? Like the system wasn't working. They weren't making adjustments and everybody's worst play came out. There was an absence of leadership, whatever you want to talk about. There were so many things that went wrong. So many injuries, lots of that, right? But then when everybody got better and you didn't, that's much more noticeable. And that's, I think, part of the problem. And I feel bad. It's exactly like you said. And you always have to contextualize this with the fact that he didn't have the right supporting players. He was brought in to a team that he did not at that time belong on. I don't think that anybody would have expected the Canadians to finish 32nd, but I do think that people looked at that Stanley Cup run and didn't realize that if you take a lot of the key players from that Stanley Cup run out of the lineup, you get a completely different team, right? So that to me, so it is mitigated by that. So a lot of the like downs, I feel like they're kind of affected by the by the decisions of a management that is no longer here, whether it was extending the coach that long, giving that coach that that long of a leash, signing people who didn't really have the right fit, uh, allowing people to walk who would have fit and, 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 and done a good job. So that's part of the, the down. I think that's fair. I think I think we do have to always contextualize the criticism of him because we don't want it to feel like it, gratuitous. It just it stands out after the Martin St. Louis um, era. It, it just, it stands out. Uh, one of my downs, special teams. This entire season of special teams was abysmal. There were nights when I would be watching the television and it was so bad that I did not even have the energy to call them idiots. Like it was just so 
bad. I cannot believe how bad the power play was. The, the, the penalty kill sometimes showed a little bit of promise. The power play, there was an occasional goal, but it was just like, how can it be so consistently bad? I don't understand. Like there's three ways to do a power play in the NHL. How are you getting all three wrong? It's wild to me is that every now and then on a broadcast, like the Canadians come in without having allowed a goal in their last 20 power pl- power plays against. I'm like, wow, that's good. And they got scored on. Like 30 seconds, 10 seconds like, off the face off. Like, like off clockwork. The face-off. Like clockwork. It's like, oh, hey, maybe it's turning and it's going to. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, I agree with that. And I have actually part of that is my second down and a lot like Mike Hoffman. I don't fully put the blame on this player, but the situation they were forced into that's above what I think they were here for, and that's David Savard. I think he's a very useful complimentary player in the right role, and he was asked to play well above his pay grade a lot this year on a pairing that did not work. Joel Edmondson came back, and he kind of settled into a role that suited him a little bit. He still doesn't work with Alexander Romanov, but... He was thrust into being a guy eating 20, 25 minutes a night some nights because there was no one else. And when that happens, your team's not going to be very good. I think he's a nice guy. I think he does have some things to bring to this organization, especially on uh, the penalty kill on special teams there. But, man, when it, it was a rough season for him, and I feel bad because he was clearly very excited to come play in Montreal. And it's an honor for him. And it kind of just, you know, went poof and blew up right in his face, unfortunately. I want to counterpoint that just a little bit, just a little bit. I do agree with what you said, but I do think that a major positive is I listened to Alexander Romanov's end of season media availability and people asked him, what do you think of David Savard? And he said, he's awesome. He's always encouraging me on the ice. He's giving me pointers. He's teaching me. So I feel like the current management and coaching staff have identified that this is not a good fit. So how do we get the most out of this player is we take a guy who's supposed to be part of the core going forward, who's still pretty raw in his play and has a lot of things to work on and you pair them together. It's a defensive black hole on the ice, but the intangibles that Romanov is earning. And you know, I'm not a big fan of intangibles. I believe that intangibles should affect results as one of our, uh, one somebody that we follow on Twitter called Drag Like Pull says. Um, they, like, intangibles is a thing. It is a legitimate thing, but it should affect results. So somebody just being like a pleasant guy isn't that, but somebody driving results. So like watching Romanov improve, maybe like that is, is part of the results. So like, it might be that they're sacrificing. They know they suck anyway, and they're sacrificing that in order to give this guy some st- stability, some advice, some, some you know, like David Savard is, he's been here, like he's been in the NHL, not here. He's been in the NHL a long time. He is a veteran. He has played on, on good teams and bad teams, right? So I think it's valuable uh, advice for, for Romanov. It's valuable, but on the ice, it just, it does not work. So it's, yes, it's a down, but I do think that, and I hope that I'm not like reading too much into it, but if the management and the coaching staff have identified like a use for him, and that is to help Romanov grow, like, I love it. I love this. Right? Yes. Uh, And my final down, and this kind of goes for some people that I had hopes for this year. This is for bubble players, basically. Uh, Yola Mia, Ryan Paling, guys who could have seized a spot here 
who didn't really. We saw Michael Pozzetta and Laurent Dauphin come in and play with energy that endeared them and likely got them other contracts, whereas Ryan Paling and Armia struggled a bit or weren't noticeable. I thought Tyler Pitlick looked all right. He's not anything special, but he's Tyler Pitlick, all due respect. And in a season where everything's going down the drain, you got to stand out a little bit and prove, hey, I, I can be here to help fix things. And if you just kind of blend into the muck, uh, you're going to get left behind sooner rather than later. And it's a it's a tough pill because I think there is talent in both those players. I just don't know what their future holds in Montreal, honestly. And we'll keep an eye on that. But it's time to turn our attention to lots more fun things, which is our three up for the year. And again, I'm going to try and guess what Scott has because we didn't discuss this before. Usually we do discuss it, but this time it was a surprise. Um, and that's all coming up in just one moment. But first, betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, the start of Major League Baseball season, and crucially, the NHL playoffs. All the odds are up there right now. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs to esports and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. And like I said, the playoffs are on right now. That's where you got to go. All right, let's do some positives. All right, well, can you guess which... I guarantee you can guess my first two. They really shouldn't be that difficult to anyone who's followed me on Twitter for like more than seven seconds. Martin St. Louis and Cole Caulfield. I I don't have any coaches on here. I picked all players. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't do concepts for this. There we go. Yes. It's, it is the small goals boys on my up list purely. And I know that I kind of held this against Mike Hoffman a little bit, but like Cole Caulfield's second half of this season was so banana pants insane that how could I not have him on there? There are players that would have been like, I'm done. I don't know what to do here. And this is a kid who took a demotion to the AHL, went there, lit it up, got called back up. And even with the team being garbage, put in an effort every night, even when they lost and they changed coaches. And then all of a sudden he's playing for Martin St. Louis and boom, Everything has clicked and he is just absolutely on fire. He was unstoppable for like a month and a half where if he had the puck, everyone thought he was going to score and he more often than not did. And I look at this Caulfield in that, you know, end of March, April, where he wasn't scoring every game, but you could see how things are working and he still was putting up points. And that's the guy I think is going to be an NHL player. He's not going to be the most dominant possession player, but at the same time, he's going to put points on the board. And I think that's the most important part of his game. So I'm going to cheat. Um, I was thinking about this because we had decided to do our three up and three down um, for our, our Tuesday episode this week. And I was thinking, you know, who do I pick? Obviously, Cole Caulfield is one of them. I, I agree with everything you said there. And then I was like, was there a defenseman? You know, Jeff Petrie is one of them. Absolutely. And then um, I like I want to say it was Mark Dumont that tweeted that Christian Dvorak had like the greatest resurgence under Martin St. Louis. So that's a shout out, but I'm going to stick with my Jeff Petrie. Um, I think that he went from being the like kind of useless to the villain of the piece to the like, I guess not unsung hero. Like 
because you know we've talked a lot in the past about how Jeff Petrie gets crapped on for one mistake when he can play an almost perfect game and be really, really like important to the to, to the win, and then he'll make one mistake, but everybody will talk about that mistake and they'll want him traded, whatever. I just think that he changed his attitude um, and he got determined to make things work in the situation that he was put in. You could sulk, right? Like you didn't get traded at the trade deadline when you asked for a trade. And instead you understood that the team's going to do what's best for the team. And you're like, I'm here now. I'm on this abysmal team, but I'm still going to be part of the solution. I'm still going to be positive. I'm still going to bring my best as much as I can and do what I can to be good. And the team rewarded him, right, with that. Like, they gave him the opportunity to see his family when they could um, and all of that. And and I remember an interview that Kent Hughes did with, I believe, Arpan Basu, where he said, you know, if his injury is season ending, we're going to send him home to spend time with his wife and kids, right? Like, that relationship, the way that it, it it got repaired with like between Jeff Petrie and the Habs, like a lot of it had to do with his attitude and his determination. So I'm very, very positive on that. But I did want to shout out the Vorak thing because we are going to do some player reviews as part of our offseason coverage. And a lot of the theme will obviously be how they improved after the coaching change. Uh, but I think Jeff Petrie, like it was the coaching change, but also his attitude and the way that he behaved like really helped him get a resurgence towards the end of the season. Uh, and for one of my other ups here, and I'm sure we're going to share the last same up here is I put Jake Allen on my list in that Jake Allen was put in a very tough spot, battled through injuries, battled through a bad team. And I still thought he was incredible this season, given what was asked from him. And he's going to likely have to do the same next year. We don't know what Carey Price's future holds. So right now, Jake Allen has to prepare like, hey, I got to go in there and be the guy again. And I know that he can be that 1A, 1B guy. If Carey Price is good to go and we know he said himself, I can't play 55 games, good. Each start 41. It's simple as it's simple math right there <laughs> that it works out. And I thought Jake Allen, you know, his numbers aren't astronomical. He's not putting up like, a super underrated season where I'm like, he should be nominated for the Vesna or this or that. I thought considering the team around him, what he was tasked with doing to be, I believe a nine Oh five on the season. Yeah. He doesn't have a winning record, but guess what? The Hebs didn't have a winning record. No, duh. I thought he was definitely one of the more unheralded players that kind of gets passed over when we talk about, you know, Caulfield's and Suzuki's and other players like that. And I really do think Jake Allen is one of the is a bright spot in a season where he wasn't able to play as much as he could have. But man, when he played, he was he was as advertised, a true professional uh, in and out out of the net. I love that. And it's true that, you know, the Canadians didn't give him a lot of run support. But not only that, they didn't give him any defense in front of him. Right. Like if you look at most of the games that he played, it was in the first half of the season. And it was like like that the defensive numbers were insanely bad at that point. And I just like I'm getting emotional a little bit because I'm thinking about like his end of season press conference. And he was talking about I'm paraphrasing here, but like an, in an ideal world, Carey Price is in the Montreal Canadiens net. Like the respect and the love that he has for Carey Price and the organization and his role. And not only that, knowing that you're forever going to be the B guy, right? You're always going to be number two and you still want to stay. Like, I love that. And it's just, I, I, I love everything that he says. Like, I will, if he ever gets milkshake ducked, I will be so devastated because 
I am such a big fan of Jake Allen. Uh, I want to shout out Jordan Harris as well as very small sample size, but he was definitely something that was a bright spot for me. Just um, being so much better than expected, I thought was fantastic. And you need people who know what they're doing on the blue line. <laughs> so that was really, really fun. So that was that's, that's an honorary mention for me. Are there any more notes, uh, ups or downs that you wanted to bring up? Nick Suzuki. Uh, of course. I, I mean, yeah, but he's, he's like I, I assumed it was getting better. Like, yeah, like I assume it was implied that we thought Nick Suzuki was going to be great, but like this year sucked. Set a new career high in goals, points, had 40 assists, had 20 goals. Nick Suzuki's really goddamn good at what he does, and he's getting better. And he's going to have Martin St. Louis all next year. He's going to have Cole Caulfield. They're hopefully going to find someone who fits on that line there. And it's just... He's so good. And I I do love Max Pacioretty. I will always adore Max Pacioretty. But getting Nick Suzuki in that trade is just absolutely incredible stuff. That's a franchise centerman there. A very good one. I had a very good deal for a very long time. And he's only going to get better. He's only going to get smarter. He's only going to get more dangerous. It, it doesn't get any better than that, honestly. And I I really look forward to next year. I really, really do. I can't wait to see what the next step in Nick Suzuki's progression is. Now imagine Nick Suzuki plus Shane Wright or Logan Cooley. I mean, that sounds pretty great to me. <laughs> Just another center. Like, yeah, it's yeah. great. All right. That is like, we're going to leave everybody on that positive note. Let's keep dreaming about the lottery pick. We are going to go live right after the, uh, the lottery picks are announced, uh, shortly after 7 PM on that day, uh, which is March 10th, I believe is a Tuesday. Uh, and, and then I will be hosting a round table later that evening, uh, at about 8 PM with all of the lottery winners and losers. And, uh, maybe we get to gloat or maybe other people get to make fun of me, but either way, we hope that you tune in, uh, for that round table. I'm quite excited about that. In the meantime, the rest of this week, we're going to have some guests and do some season reviews and we're going to do some player reviews and we're going to have a mix of review content and like looking forward content with draft prospects, like prospect updates for people. Uh, we had like one of our, our, our frequent commenters was talking about Joshua Juan. We're going to talk about that as well. All that's coming up, you know, the off season's on, but we're still like in, in, in mid season form. And uh, so make sure that you are subscribed to locked on Canadians, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. If you want to find Scott on Twitter, he's at Scott Matla. If you'd like to find me, I am at The Active Stick. Thank you so much for listening. And once you're done listening to this, make your second listen of the day, Locked On NHL. They're going to have all the playoff goings on. Definitely wherever you get, wherever you subscribe to our podcast, check out Locked On NHL. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow.